Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Weekly Nightly Podcast as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Season 2, Episode 4 already. So, uh, I'm AJ, as usual. I am Carlo. Hey, guys. This is Eric. And I'm Dave. And we have some uh, guests coming on in the later half of the show. Uh, we have Corey and Richie from Sporty with Corey and Richie. <laughs> so, uh, they're also yeah. a member of the Hot Podcast Network, uh, repping the, the Arizona Coyotes. They'll be on uh, second half. So, uh, they'll be giving us some insight into uh, why we're going to win the couple games. This, you know, this we, uh, we have a lot of room in our douche canoe. So, yeah, we have uh, so got four games coming up next week against Arizona. So, we thought we'd have those guys come on. That way, we can get a little bit of perspective from the other side. Uh, from as the San Jose announcer called them the Desert Doggies. Like, he kept saying that. It was so weird. <laughs> so uh so before we get to that uh lots of lots of news since uh we finally started playing games again so uh let's let's start off with uh mark stone as captain so uh i i don't think that anybody on this podcast was surprised by that choice uh i i'm happy what do you guys think i would have been more surprised if they didn't name him captain yeah exactly uh i i was saying before uh when we mentioned before riley smith is also not a surprise for me for alternate captain because I thought he was the second choice for captain if he wasn't Mark Stone. Uh, my surprise is they gave uh, Petrangelo the A as fast as they did. Uh, but when they think about it, uh, I, I, I think they wanted a defenseman uh, on the leadership group too. And who who would you put it? I'll give it to like Shay would be uh, the Shea, only other Shea one. Dinkor? But yeah, yeah, Nate, say, yeah, I would say Shay. Because we lost after those playoff performance. Maybe maybe uh, Martinez, uh, but I think P- Petro, with his leadership experience, uh, I think makes sense. Yeah, he was the he was the captain for St. Louis for a number of years. Um, he he same deal as, as Stone, right? He's going to be here seven years, no trade clause. Like you have no fear in, in giving him a letter. Martinez, I get that thought, but he might not be here next year. He might not be yeah. here beyond beyond the beyond the deadline. Shea's still a little young. Um, I, I thought we talked about this uh, last season uh, during the bubble when they started talking about naming a captain this year. We all thought it was going to be Stone, so it made the most sense. That was before Petros came over. Um, I don't I, think Shea's age really had much to do with it, though. They, we've had captains and alternates younger than that with Vegas, but in other teams. Yeah. Why, uh, but, why do you guys think – so I, I get that they, they gave one of the A's to Petro and because he just came off of being a captain. I, I personally was a little surprised they took one away from Pacioretty, given that he was also a former captain and he had the A before. So I, that one was a little bit more surprising to me than actually giving Mark Stone the C. Yeah, that, I'm surprised it, they didn't do two sets, like a set for home, a set for the road, like some teams do. Could have had maybe Pacioretty be a, a visiting alternate and maybe Petro a home alternate or vice versa. That is a good point, though, Andrew, because I did. I was about to bring that up, but I think uh, another part of that, because I remember when we first brought in uh, uh, Patches, that he was captain of Montreal, and then when he came here, I felt like there was like a relief that like, got out of got off his shoulders. I think there was a lot of pressure on him in Montreal, especially the city like Montreal. I feel like um, having not having the A kind of takes some pressure off leadership for him, and I think like. He is a good leader. I think he is very articulate. He's a, he's a good with the media. But I feel like they wanted to just have three, and I think they wanted one with on the defense. And I think Riley Smith deserved the A more than Patches, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I think they wanted to go that direction. 
Well, yeah, two goals in two games. One since the first season. Well, yeah, yeah and, and, and two goals in two games with patches. Uh, let's let's take the pressure off him because he's clearly scoring. So I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm and he, he he's gonna have he's gonna be in media availability every time just because people want to talk to him. Right? He, he's he's a good player. Um, and Carlo, I agree with the coming from Montreal. Yeah, like that's a much different market for him to have been a captain. So as far as Petro getting the A right away coming from St. Louis, it, it's not that he, he didn't have any real pressure and he delivered for that town. Right. Mm-hmm. So he, he enjoyed being a leader. I think every time you see him speak, he has come in and, and acted and sounds like a leader. It made perfect sense to me that he was going to get one of the A's. Um, the only thing that kind of like Dave talked about was I would have liked them to have another one. Right. I think patches deserved having one, having three alternates is not that big of a deal, but I'm sure if any of those three, or I guess, yeah, any of those three miss a game, you're going to see Patches get a uh, letter. Because just because you set it up as those three going into game one doesn't mean that by game five, if somebody's missing a game, you can't put an A on somebody else, which they will, I think. Who else do you think, though? Because I, I saw a lot of people uh, bringing up Marcia So, which I think I disagree on because I think Marcia So is a little bit too – uh, he gets out of control too much sometimes and I uh, for leadership. I love the guy. I love his attitude. I love his trash talk, but I don't think he's a bit too uh, fit for that actual leadership. And Carlson is the opposite way where he's too quiet and too reserved. Well, Riley Smith is right in the middle for, for of them. And I feel like that's why he deserves an A. Maybe, maybe if they have another one, maybe Theodore would get the A in the future. I don't know. You know what I mean? If, if you're talking this season, yeah, I could yeah. see Theodore, maybe Martinez, McNabb. I mean, McNabb actually carries himself really well. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think your first one would be, would be patches if they had to, but I, yeah. hopefully they don't have to go beyond that because if you miss any of those in your leadership group for too many games, it's going to be a tough year. So, But, yeah, I, I like it. I think uh, it was the worst-kept secret, right? Like, I don't know why they kept talking about they weren't going to do it because the coach who they just gave a four-year deal to – said he wanted a captain from the second he got here. So you knew year two or his, his year two, they were going to have a captain. So it made perfect sense. Right. And stone was the logical choice. And in the interview that the story Bonatoni did with them, it was just a fantastic interview. Like you really understood how happy he is. I mean, he talked about how this is the team he wanted to come to from when he was still in Ottawa to this is the team he wanted to sign a long-term deal with. He wants to retire here. Big deal for him to be the first captain in, in Gold Knights history. It's just a really cool – it makes sense. It, I'm happy for him, and he has – and we'll get into the, the game recaps later, but he has absolutely delivered for the first to, – to start as captain. Yeah, we all love Stone, <laughs> if that's not obvious. Uh, I, well, it's so hard not to. Um, so so on that note of, of what our roster is looking like uh, – so far, we've been going with 13 forwards, five defensemen. Uh, it's it's a really weird situation. You know, Holden got waived, and then they brought up Colasar and kept him up at, instead of bringing somebody like Hagen. So uh, how's everybody well, feeling about that? Well, they didn't bring him up. They just never sent him down because yeah, he has to clear waivers. Yeah, he, he so he never was actually brought up because he was never down. He has to clear waivers. So, um, And I would actually argue that we've been playing with 12 and 5. Because through two games, Colasar played four minutes and 36 seconds in game one. He was on the ice for both goals against. Not necessarily his fault. I'm not saying it is, but not not a great debut. And then game two, when you are trailing most of the game, he played two minutes and 40 seconds, right? So, I mean, he's you're playing 12 forwards and five defensemen. It, we'll, we'll get into the that later. I don't love the roster uh, split currently. Like, 
I was un- I understood, I guess, first thinking about it, like, okay, cool, 13 and five. But when you've seen it in practice, you've had two right-hand defensemen playing with each other that didn't look very good. You've had defensemen blowing assignments. You've had forwards out of place. Like it has not made for two clean games going 13 and five. I want them to go back to 12 and six and move on with life. Yeah. yeah. And you just can't blame that on Ross in the first games back after a while. I mean, part of it is, is it is too much confusion because I don't remember any other teams ever having to go 13 and five before. I mean, intentionally normally yeah. if there's like a, uh, an injury at the bit, uh, in the game that that's when you do like well then down you're yeah you're down the twelve and five yeah. and, or eleven and five or whatever combination you have and you then know? Petro Pet, Petro played twenty nine minutes last night which is not ideal that is not sustainable you know what would have been perfect for this situation where you needed twelve and six or thirteen and five elite scorer John Merrill <laughs> he can play both makes sense <laughs> and hey he's getting power play minutes right now too. Yeah, the, really? the, in Detroit. Yeah, that's my boy. That's my boy. <laughs> the uh, the split of the the time game one was really weird. Um, Petro led the team in ice. It was only it was under twenty five minutes. Yeah. Um, and Shea was actually lowest, which was surprising. He only had one power play, one one penalty yeah. kill. Uh, last night, Petro played way too much. Right. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. forget the overtime game. Right. It was seven seconds. Like, you can't take that into account. I mean, he he played half a game. Yeah, you were chasing the game a lot. Um, but, I mean, he's still trying to learn the system. You're putting him with a new partner every shift out there. Like, I don't think they're setting that up to grow Success. as fast as they could, right? It, it, you could make him feel a lot more comfortable just going 12 and 6 and, and moving on with life. And, once again, we'll get into the roster management piece of it a little bit in, later that's in the, where the show. But it, right unfor- now, I don't, I don't love how it's going. That's, unfortunately, where some preseason games would have helped out. Oh, for but sure. We can't really do anything about that. Well, let's and let's talk about these games because I, I feel like because of the matchup, maybe they're treating these kind of like preseason games or something. <laughs> I was yeah, going to say that, yeah. You, you, I mean, if you look at it, you essentially have six preseason games before you're playing anybody of any real magnitude, and I'm not <laughs> trying to, to talk crap, and I'm not trying to make a joke out of it. Anaheim, look, was one of the worst. They missed the playoffs last year. They, they were a seven. Uh, they were one of the seven that missed. They're, they're terrible. And Arizona – they lost Taylor Hall, who, what, whether you want to think he was good or not, doesn't matter. Um, they had turmoil. They lost draft picks. I mean, they're, they weren't an 11 seed anyway. They weren't going to be any good. Yeah, they made it through the uh, play-in round, but they're not that good of a team. So if, if Vegas wanted to look at these first six games as their preseason, hey, maybe everybody can take a step off the ledge with the roster stuff we'll talk and if, about. And if you look at the, uh, the, the rosters on paper, Anaheim versus Vegas, I was looking at their lineup, and – all like three of our lines, I think, is better than their first line. It's 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 crazy. Like the, the mismatch. I thought, but to be honest with you, I thought uh, Anaheim played some uh, good hockey at some points of the of the game. They had they had their stretches, but it was just a mismatch. I think. Uh, I I think I think anytime you go up against John Gibson, who for my yeah. money is a top five goaltender, right? I mean. You put him on almost any team and he's going to be the starter, right? I mean, maybe not Carey Price, maybe not Carter Hart. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky, sure. Rask. I mean, a lot of people love Rask. Yeah, no. No, Rask is uh, starting to decline. I get he's too old. I, I get that. But I mean, he starts on almost every single team. John Gibson is phenomenal. 
he can steal any game for you. So, he almost did last night too. It's crazy. Absolutely. So he, he deserves some Vesna, you know, talk more than what he's probably had in his career. But he's not because his teams. He's his yeah. They need to win games. I mean, yeah, he, he need to win games. Mid mid the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, first year. I know uh, that Vegas is first year. He, Same. He had his worst season last year because he didn't get any defensive help. He was just getting peppered like with shots and stuff. And, it's, and they, it's they tried so to. They him. started out well. He just got worn out. Yeah, exactly. It just feel bad for him. And they tried to fill that that defensive need by going and signing Shattenkirk. Who, congratulations, he's getting paid by the Rangers and Anaheim. Good for him. Yeah, if you if you watch the games last uh, the past two two times, especially the first one where. The, se- the second period, I thought the Golden Knights was really sloppy. That's you. You kind of you kind of saw that they didn't have a preseason game. There's they're just errant passes. Their passes weren't connecting. They were making really bad turnovers. Although they, they were making really bad turnovers last night too. There's there's a really uh, there's one where Flurry just saved Martinez because that was it was straight to I forgot which player it was where it was it was and it, it came to a great opportunity. Getzlaff. He gave he he, yeah. he passed yeah, it directly to Getzlev, yeah. walked right into the slot and shot. No, and then you had the uh, on the power play, they let somebody directly behind wide open when uh, Flurry had to use the poke check to get it away. I mean, yeah. you had three defenders and he was behind all three of them. Man, no, so, yeah, no, they had some breakdowns. Uh, Carlo, on your point on game one and even game two, their breakouts are not clean, and I wonder how much of that is the fact that defenders are playing on both sides of the ice not used to where they're supposed to be because they're not just doing the same thing over and over again i think some of it has to do with early in the season because there's no preseason game and you're asking your defenders to play both sides and late of the second game too anaheim really played the uh the defense they they could not Vegas had such a hard time entering the zone because yep. that's all Anaheim did. They yeah, were they just protecting four the one. at the blue line. Yeah, they were just protecting, protecting that the lead. One. Yeah, the one lead. Which, like, kudos to them. That's that's what their key was to to win the game is get that lead and just like hunch down and don't let Vegas do anything. Which which was smart, you know. There's only one guy that scored or that's actually scored the goal for Anaheim between the two. Yeah, Comtois yeah. was the only one who actually scored goals. It, it's funny because someone posted on Twitter that in these two games with uh, Anaheim and Vegas, there have been they have been ten goals. Five of them has been scored by a guy named Max. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, it's uh, so yeah, there there definitely uh, is is some rust. There's there's some uh, iffiness to the game and and everybody's system so far. But um, you know, aside from that, I mean, Vegas found ways to win both those games. Uh, you know, opening night game, I I think once they got tied up and and Comtois scored those two goals, I think everybody kind of just uh, took it a little more serious after the second there. And then last night's game was, I I honestly did not think that they were going to win and. I don't think they would have won, to be quite honest, that game if Leonard was in instead of Flurry. I think that game's fit Flurry's style very well, um, especially with that diving poke check. Like Leonard wouldn't have done that same move, and I think that actually probably saved a goal right there. Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, I like you said the style of, of the game, um, and we've talked about this before. Like what, what whether what side you want to be on when it comes to the goalie deal, um, Flurry can absolutely steal you again. Flurry can also allow four easy ones, right? Yep. Last night he stole us the game, which is which is good. But make no doubt about it, in the next two weeks he's going to give up four, and you're going to go, "I wish Leonard would have been in." Like, if you look at the next next ten games that he starts, he'll give one up that you're just going to be like, "Well, we would have won that with Leonard." 
but you got to remember the ones that he stole for you. And this is one of the ones he absolutely stole. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is Leonard Leonard's full on old faithful. I mean, you, I think shutouts are a little more rare with Leonard, but you don't see him getting like four or five goals against. He doesn't give up more than two. Yep. I, I, and here's the thing. Leonard's still undefeated in the regular season for the Golden Knights. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, true. I forgot that. How many games did he end up playing before the Four. COVID pause? Four. Four. Has and one of them was a shutout. Years. Yeah, one against New Jersey. That was the last game they played in uh, T-Mobile Arena. Yep. That's right. Yep. So, uh, like March 3rd, I think, or something like that. Can't yeah. believe. Oh, my and, God. And then let's talk about how Mark Stone has been amazing. I Mark Stone is on pace for 112 points this season. <laughs> if four, that would be four nice. Points, right? He has four points in two games. Yeah, and then uh, Shea Theodore has a plus five. Right? Plus five. He, yeah, he's been in on. He's been on every. No, not all. All but two. All but two. Yeah, all but two, and he he hasn't been on one. I think. No, no he's he been on one. Been one negative against because yeah. you went you went five two and two one, so you got seven to. Th- yeah. But no, Shea has been great. Petro has been great too. Both of, both of the defensemen have been great, in my opinion. Really, like I don't think. I don't think Petro has been good by any stretch of the imagination. I now look, been... I I think he's going to be fine. Last night he had skating issues. He fell down like five yeah. times on just routine plays. I don't think he's been great. I think I've... he set up a lot of plays though. He has set up some nice plays. Absolutely, his stretch passes have been good. I mean, and they've talked about he's a one-man breakout, right? So I agree yeah. with that. But as what you're expecting out of him, I don't think he's been bad by interest measures. Once again, two games, new system, no um, preseason games, and playing with a different partner every single shift. I, he has a long runway before anybody needs to sound any sort of alarm. Um, I just think he, he could have been a little bit better. And I also believe – Power play one is better suited for Theodore, and we'll talk about the power plays a little bit later too. But yeah, let, let the man get some time to sink in with everybody and learn the system and yeah. settle down and eventually get a steady partner. And we'll see who and that ends up being. But it's I, I just some people out there freaking out already. I, I've noticed and it's like it's two games into a season. Yes, the season is shorter than usual. But yeah, give it some time. What matters is how they're playing at the end of the season, not how they're necessarily playing right now. Yeah, yeah they're I making re- the playoffs. Like, yeah, I really don't understand this five defensemen though, because it just doesn't make sense to me, man. Yes, yeah. but what one thing I will note about Petro is that I think he's playing at about a six or seven out of his ceiling of a ten, and that is probably around where we would have expected Nate Schmidt's ceiling to be. Maybe, yeah, that's maybe true. One, one or two points above where, where Petro's playing right now. But, I mean, Petro being okay is probably where Nate Schmidt's average usually was. Actually, so, I think so, that's a good point. Yeah, I think yeah so good. look at Petro. You know, give, give him another 10, 15 games, and we're going to see some really crazy shit out of him, I bet. Um, what did you guys think about that overtime? What overtime? I'm not, let me give me seven I, seconds to think about it. I, I, I blinked. I blinked, and, like, the game was over. I don't know what happened. <laughs> One second off from tying a record for fastest goal in overtime. Oh, it was so awesome though! Like the the, the way that happened too, and then the, and then listening to Stone and Patches explain it in their interview after the game, like he's like he's like, well, they cheated on the face off, and then they screwed it up, so we just capitalized. That's what I've noticed too. Like on interviews, every interview, so well, there's been two games, but Patches and Stone has been 
in an interview together. So I feel like that's going to be a what patience thing. shown by Stone though to the pass at the perfect moment. Yeah. It was it. It was kind of like he was a, he was almost no looking too, like where you could see, see him making eye contact with Gibson trying to fake him out, and then he passed it. And man, uh, like uh, right before it could have gotten pulled, checked off of him, but yeah, it, it's perfect timing on it. It's funny because right before the overtime, uh, Jesse Granger tweeted that they're starting the the overtime with Pacioretty, Stone, and Theodore, no centers, and they do want to face off anyway. <laughs> Did you? Uh, I, I don't know that they won the face off or Stone stole the face off. I mean, well, that's the they, thing about yeah. that. That technically is a win, though. I get it, but yeah. Possession. Give him yeah. the selfie right now. Did you yeah. guys see uh, the the first interview after the the first uh, Anaheim game on on Thursday where uh, <laughs> that thanks, Patches, bro. <laughs> Patches was sitting with with Stone and he and he quipped something about the new captain or whatever. <laughs> and that's, our, that's what that's what our leader does or something like that. Yeah, and, and Stone's just like thanks, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. Um, all right, so so yeah, we we've had two a little bit messy games, but you know, it's, we're, we're two and zero for, for the season now We're we're up toward the top of the league. So I'm, I'm happy with it. Um, top of the Honda division. Yeah. So let's, let's, uh, let's move on and, and I, I'll give it, give this to Eric to start with uh, thoughts on what's going on with Cody glass and Keegan Colazar and all the crazy shit that they're running with, with the cap right now. Yeah. Roster management is, is the easiest way, I guess, asset management is the easiest way to, to talk about this. So as we talked about earlier, Colasar did not get sent down because he has to clear waivers. Now, for those of you who don't know, Keegan Colasar um, was a third-round draft pick by the Columbus Blue Jackets, I believe, in the 2015 or 2016 NHL draft. Uh, In 2017, uh, Vegas traded for him. He was already signed. uh, Traded a second-round pick for him. Now, the reason why people were losing their mind is Max Comtois, who scored all three goals against Vegas, uh, was taken just shortly after that pick that Vegas traded for Colasar. Um, Vegas hates losing any sort of assets, right? Like that is their biggest – they just don't do that, right? For whatever reason, they don't send players down. They hate losing an asset for nothing. So they, were, they are not wanting to send Keegan Colasar down for – whatever reason, right? They might think he's going to get claimed. They, a couple of people, Jesse, uh, Ken, uh, both made a good point in my opinion is it's very possible that one of the GMs got a phone call asking about Keegan Colasar during the whatever lead up to the, the season. And because of that, they're afraid to put him on because they don't want to lose him for nothing, obviously. So today in practice, you had Cody Glass skating with the healthy scratches and you had Nick Haig back in the lineup. So I'm not ready to lose my mind yet, but I promise you right now, if tomorrow at 9 a.m. they send Glass down and bring Haig up and Glass misses a game for King Colzar, I'll lose my fucking mind. Like, Same. The, the easiest way to say it is I will – that will – unless – look, I, we can all clutch our pearls and freak out or whatever – if that happens for multiple games and they don't trade Keegan Colesar and they are stunting Cody Glass's growth for that, yeah, I, I, I won't understand that. Because I, I might be one of the biggest front office apologists out there, right? Like we always joke, Carlo and I, about John Merrill Apologist Club. Like legitimately, you can call me a front office apologist. I will side with them on almost every move they've ever made. But if they are playing Keegan Colesar because they're worried about him getting claimed – and putting Cody Glass down, yeah, I'm, I'm not cool with that. I, 
I'll actually start bitching about that move because it makes no fucking sense. I'm sure there will be a lot of people doing that as well, too. I know I will join in with you on that. Same here. I mean, yeah, same. And Glass and, needs to be out there. And I'm, uh, I was a Keegan Colesford defender. I might still have because I still think he has a good a fourth line potential, but I don't think he's ready yet right now because I remember – not this the, the year they went to the Calder Cup, Colasar had a really good season. He had like 20-something goals in the AHL. He he was playing top-line minutes, and he was a big uh, part of that run. And I thought, like, yeah, this kid has potential, and I still see that. Last year, he was he was injured a lot last year, so I think the management kind of want to see what's up with him. I don't know, but he's not better than Cody Glass. Do not start him over Cody Glass. That's just really dumb. No, I so, would rather see him claim on waivers than stunt yeah. Cody Glass's potential more. I'd rather lose a, a fourth-line potential player than stunt our best prospect. Yeah. And, and and I brought this up, too, on Twitter, where my, one of my biggest issues here, too, is that the third line needs to build chemistry, especially because they're very young. Wah, Glass, and Tuck. And I, th- I thought they had a really good game last night. Oh, they haven't so, so, score. So, so they to had- talk about last night, okay, so they played seven minutes and 48 48- uh, seconds of five on five, right? So if you just look at natural stat trick, right? So they had six scoring or shots for, so they had between the, that 748, they had six shots on goal. They allowed zero shots against, right? Uh, yeah, like you said, they did not score a goal, but we can go into Corsi 4. I'm not going to try to explain that to people. People's eyes glaze over when we start talking about Corsi or Fenwick. But they, their Corsi 4 was 100%, 11-0, and their Fenwick 4 was 8-0. They allowed zero shots against, and they actually provided a lot offense. of offense. So it, to just all of a sudden try to blow – like, I don't know. I, I think They're, possibly we're, we're all a little overreacting based on one practice report. Maybe mm-hmm. they felt they played so well, hey, let's see what Colasar can do up here in a practice, and then we don't see it come to fruition tomorrow. But – I'm like I said, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt up until the point of a game actually gets played with King Colesar as one of the 12 forwards and Cody Glass not one of the 12 forwards. Where, there was, go ahead, sorry, go ahead, where, where are they going like long term, right? So if they're having this issue with Colesar today, how does this get solved anytime during this season either? Like, it, it doesn't make any sense to me because like. They got to send him down at some point. Like you can't keep him up forever. Like especially the closer you get to the playoffs, it makes less and less sense. So where is he going? Like either wave him or trade him. Like you, you can't play yeah. the game all season. Or, or 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 unfortunately, hockey. Hope an injury happens, right? Not hope, but understand that an injury is going to happen throughout the season. You want him to fill uh, it. Maybe there is a team out there that is interested, and Vegas wouldn't mind making a deal with them. But both teams got to finagle some things with their cap and wait till things take to a certain point and then they close the deal and maybe just in five years and maybe yeah you're right dave and maybe they, this other team has a stipulation where they're like we, we really want to see what he does at the age or the nhl level before we're gonna close on that trade or yeah something. so play him two minutes yeah that's not yeah that yeah that was great it was two and a half minutes or whatever it was but uh one little note on on draft picks too like eric you were saying earlier that old vegas could have had come to but you got when you trade draft picks away, if you would have kept those, there's no guarantee that they would have picked such and such player. And I promise you, they were never taking Max Comtois. He's like five foot nine. Yeah, he's he 
hey, he scored three goals against Vegas, but he does not fit anything that Vegas was ever going to pick yeah, at that pick. I, so, so anybody that's trying to say that, same say thing that. with with Alexander Texier, who's playing for Columbus, who they took in that exact pick that Vegas traded away, they were never taking him. Right? He's from he yeah. played in the La Liga League in France. Like he was never getting picked. Vegas would have taken like Jack Studenecka, who went to uh, Boston. They would have taken a, a big center. They would not take him any of those guys so i yeah, completely it, it, agree with what you're saying Dave. it's just an argument i can't stand seems like there's no fucking guarantee that they're going to take that pick and pick that exact player so hindsight's always 2020 as we say but whatever yeah, yeah those are i really hate those kinds of arguments like oh blah 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 was taken here yeah it's dumb yeah but i uh, like i said I, i'm willing to give it till tomorrow at game time right tomorrow hey Martin Luther King Day. We got hockey all day. Uh, we play at seven o'clock versus Arizona. If Glass is not in the lineup, you guys can all pile onto my my tweet calling the Mick GMs fucking idiots because I will uh, I will be out there doing that. Unfortunately, and especially so, sorry, like, Mr. McPhee. And it's it's so dumb. To, especially you need Glass to play. Especially he hasn't played in over a year now. You know, it's almost over a year. He needs to play. Yeah. He really does. And I, like Eric said, I guess we'll find out tomorrow. But it, if if it does come to fruition that he's not playing, I think a lot of people are going to be, uh, you know. But um, on the on, on the other side of it, hey, Vegas is 2-0. Yeah. I mean, th- th- there are a lot worse yeah. positions to be in. Like, like the one thing that, that the Vegas fan base gets a bad rap for is the fact that they're always complaining about something. Yes. And like we're not as bad as Vancouver or Toronto or losing our minds over any losses or anything like that. I get that, but I don't know. Maybe Tampa Bay. What teams would not trade places with Vegas right now? Colorado, Tampa Bay. Is there anybody else? Philly. Yeah. No, like, no Philly would trade places with Vegas. I think. Here's the thing about that, though. Uh, to Eric, that people are complaining. The the thing is, it kind of shows that they care, though, which yes. is good. Yeah, which is good. Yeah, the fact that we can sit here and talk on a Sunday afternoon about hockey and actually have some dipshit listen to us is is because people care, right? Thanks, yeah. Yeah. It's good for the it's some good for the health of the team. Yep. Yeah, it's good for the health of the team. That's <laughs> dipshits listening to douche canoes. I thought. Well, but we'll that's it. That the, the other thing that's funny, and I opened uh, when Dave and I first jumped on before we started recording. If you look at like if you say there's a hundred thousand Vegas Golden Knights fans, just using a real rough number, there might be a thousand Vegas Golden Knights fans that know that that Cody Glass did not skate in the top twelve lines at practice today. There's like such a small percentage, and we are in that small percentage, so we're yeah. gonna elevate it and, and and freak out about it much more than the rest. Like my buddy who goes to almost all the games with me, he has no fucking idea that Cody Glass didn't skate in the top twelve today. He'll turn it into the game tomorrow, cheer, and then turn it off and. Whatever happens the next day. That's a good point because we, us four especially, we engage a lot on social media and on Twitter especially. But the mass majority of Golden Knights fans, they don't, they're not on social media. They, they just go, they do their own thing. We don't know what they're doing. You know, you know what I mean? They follow so, the team. They yeah. see what they tweet out, and they turn it, tune in, and watch, watch the game, and then get their news from them. So, which is okay. That's not a bad way to be. Yeah. The blissful ignorance is something that I wish, right? I mean, <laughs> how many how many hours today of my day have been wasted arguing about whether Cody Glass? We don't even know what the fuck's going to happen. We're arguing about something that has no bearing on what tomorrow is going to happen, right? The the one thing that, and once again, being the front office apologist that I am, they have a plan. They just aren't telling us what the plan is, right? 
So that, yeah, this management is notorious for that too. And we're yeah, not we, telling you anything. And we all, all four of us love that shit. Like we, we have fun discussing all the hypothetical bullshit that honestly doesn't probably matter when you, when you, yeah, like that, like Dougie Hamilton. I mean, come on. Who that, that is, <laughs> right? Adi, I'm just glad that you're getting on board with Dougie Hamilton coming to Vegas next year. I'm just happy. I, about I did that. get a chance last night. I was on the after hours while the game was on. And one of the things was, what's your hot take for the season? And I was going to quote you, Eric, with yours, but I just never got a chance to say it. We said it on Blue Notes pod, though. <laughs> Dougie Hamilton, is he fits exactly what Vegas wants to do. Could you imagine? I mean, it's, it's going to be fun I, to think about. So, I mean, I mean, they are missing a sixth defenseman. See, there you go. He would, fit, he would, he would slot right in. Colasar and, and, uh, and Flurry for, for Hamilton. Who says no other than Carolina? Watch them actually pull that off and then be like, oh, shit, we still can't score in the playoffs. <laughs> Oh, yeah, because you got a defenseman, thing. not a like, forward. <laughs> it's so crazy to me, like all these people, like one game where John Gibson plays really well. I mean, before before Vegas had scored late in that third period, like everybody's like, oh, that's why you don't go out and get get a defenseman because you need forward. It's just like, guys. No, I, I was going to send you guys a text down. last night asking, like, has Gibson's anybody uh, made the joke about the gold jerseys being a jinx? That's like they used to say the white jerseys during the day or at white jerseys. No, at white jerseys at home. That's right. Because Nevada Day and they wore them for a couple other times. So, yeah, anyway, so the, their first shout out ever was they came in from white jerseys at home. Yeah. <laughs> None of it fucking matters. I promise you guys. That. Yeah, there are no exactly. jinxes. There's no shout out jinx. Doesn't fucking matter. Uh, Speaking uh, of. Yeah, let's talk to. Uh, oh, speaking of Colorado. Oh, fuck. Next time they play, they lost. Uh, oh, no, they beat St. Louis 8 0. They lost game one. So, uh, well, we want to move on to the power play unit. So I did not love power play one with um, Petro. Petrangelo. I, I get that that he is going to start to grow into that, but you had Stone, Glass, Carlson, Petrangelo, and Petro. I think Shea would have made more sense there. And power play two, I don't love two, uh, two defensemen on there. You have Shea... Martinez, I guess Martinez is one timer. It's probably the next best one timer behind Pacioretty. So I guess that kind of makes a little bit of sense. Uh, Tuck, uh, Marshy, wow. no, it wasn't Wah. Tuck, Marshy, and uh, Smith. Smith, that's right. You had no center on that. So they yeah. had no center. I was yeah. right on Jesse because Jesse said no, Wah but there. but he was thinking that you were talking about the practice lines where they. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I don't know. I, I guess the only way I would. I don't know because Petro has a better one timer, I think, but you need him to quarterback, so you're not going to set him up with one timers. I, I mean, it, it's going to get jumbled around a little bit. I would have rather had Wa instead of Martinez. Just my thought. I think Wa has a lot more to to uh, to show. So that's just my thought Even on Steve, power plays. What do you think about Stevenson on that second line? Because that's a lot of speed with Marshy and uh, Theodore and uh, Smith in there. You just go off he speed. doesn't have a, he doesn't have a good one timer, and the spot you need is I mean, that, you that don't bumper need off the off the half wall for the one timer. Yeah, yeah, you don't need a lot of like you don't need five one timers on a one power play unit. Like, but they have zero. I'm yeah. not saying you need five. I'm saying you need one, and you have zero if you it's take where, Martinez off. Genius. Yeah, and Martinez isn't the greatest at. Yeah. I'm just saying he's the second best on the team. Yeah. I'm not saying he's good, but if you had Colin Miller still, I mean, he could put a well, hole, in, hole in the wall. You know, he couldn't hit the net, but... You know who has a good one-timer? Nicholas Haig. That is very true. <laughs> hey, stop going 13-5, and five, and then I bet you yeah, he exactly. plays over, over uh, 
over Martinez, and then I would be fine with that. And then you would watch, you would watch Shea back there. Like they they keep messing up my dream of just seeing White Cloud Haig in the NHL at some point. Um, So penalty kill though, uh, Petro obviously is a a PK or two. uh, Yep, Shea's not so much that that type role. Um, But thoughts on PK so far? I I thought they've been pretty good. I think they had more scoring chances than the Ducks power play. <laughs> that stone play, oh that stone God. play through the neutral zone where he yeah. just stopped and then drew the defense and then let perfect on, on the tape pass to Stevenson going in. Stevenson needs to bury that, obviously. He um, needs to stop going five hole because he already said that. He came out and said that the, <laughs> yeah. the, 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 that all the goalies have that. Uh, have that I, I listened to the quack report this morning and they were giving a shout out to the power kill. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it, it definitely looked good. Smith had a, had a good chance. Um, you keep Smith and Carlson together; that makes perfect Obviously. sense. Um, Stone and, and Stevenson played really well together. Mm-hmm. Your D pairs. I was actually a little surprised that you went with uh, Martinez and um, Petro. No, it was Martinez and White Cloud instead of White Cloud and Hay or White Cloud oh, and Nab for for one. So I was a little surprised by that. I think they split the two best uh, PKers. Which which is fine, I think, and and uh, I saw I think it was No Stick and Watt together too on the uh, forwards as a third across the board. That would make sense. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, so far they've looked good. They gave up zero, obviously, and they had more chances. So uh, as the season progresses, we'll, we'll start to see it. But I mean, both games were pretty clean. Um, I know that uh, DeBoer was complaining about not getting uh, penalties dr- uh, called against them. So yeah. they're not drawing penalties. So we'll see. They're if, too honest or something like that. He said something like that. Yeah, they're honest. It's just like no, like the, and somebody else, one of the players, actually said maybe if we Carlson. stop, yeah, it's maybe Carlson. if we stop chirping so much, we'll actually get a call, which is fairly true because I, I'm sure the I, refs are tired of hearing Ryan Reeves and, and Marsha. So I think it's it was early in the year for the refs too. They got to get back in the game shape. Yeah. So uh, real quick thoughts on DeBoer not announcing the starting goalie until game time now. Until the NHL mandates it, who cares? Now, yeah. look, I, once again, we, we, we consume so much information that we want to know it, but does it really change? How, like, are we going to watch the game? Yeah. Are as we going to bet on the game? As, no? a fa- as a fantasy owner, I would like to know. I get that, but nobody gives a shit about your fantasy league. Exactly. I told you this well, three, three, three listen, okay, ago. listen, okay. I started. I put Leonard in the lineup instead of Carey Price, and that's DeBoer's fault. Okay, it's yeah. not his fault. It's not I, his fault. I, I saw the the little blow up on Twitter the other day about being not announcing until game time, and it's like, well, they're they're the NHL has to step in. No, they don't. No, they don't. They don't have to, to, if they can, if they want to. But the thing, the thing that I find so funny about that is everybody's freaking out on Vegas, but. Every fucking team in the league is doing that. Montreal came out and said it's, the same thing. Toronto yeah. came. They're not going to if they don't have to. So if the NHL wants to step in and have betting partners with MGM and all these other ones and actually really mandate it, they will. If they don't want to, they won't. And the only and only time I think the that's the biggest issue. The only time it's the biggest issue is if it's Dansk, not either Fleury or Leonard. Because yeah, I, I, bet- I don't think the betting line will change that much <laughs> if it's either Leonard or Fleury. To be honest with you. Out of almost every single team in the NHL, not announcing the starting goalie probably affects Vegas the least. Yeah. If it's, if it's dance, oh, when it comes to betting, yeah. Well, maybe. It depends on who they face. Like, you know, Flory has a good record against Anaheim. He has a shitty record against Colorado. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's just for betting because other teams, maybe the, the other teams has less time because obviously we talked about this a lot where the two goalies have – 
two different style of plays, right? So the other teams might have to adapt their play. So it's kind of actually advantage for Vegas to not announce their their goalie until game time. But for bet for betting purposes, it they lose their mind. For other teams, like they probably less chance to prepare maybe their style. But for Vegas, I think it's a little bit of an advantage. Not a big advantage, but just a little. All right, let's, yeah, let's, I, I think it's nothing. So yeah, let's move on. Um, I know that we have uh, some guests hopping on here pretty soon. So uh, Dave, you want to take this next one? Uh, yeah, because I remember you guys, uh, Carlo and Eric, you're complaining about the goal score graphics and of the goal <laughs> oh. kind of running up the the body there. I'm just like, yeah, these kind of suck this year. I mean, it looks it's so weird. a little too much. The, the the it looks like like gold armor. terminator that's halfway done. No, I just think you it know? looks like gold armor. Like like they're trying to be like knights of the round table oh, with like look, yeah. I, I get it, but it, I don't. It it just looks freaking it's weird. So don't like it's you they know tr- when they it, tried something else that didn't work. It's okay. Yeah, it yeah. looks like they invested in I, like they're encasing them in gold carbonite. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I thought like, I thought they invested in a uh, gold Lululemon pants or something, and that's what buddy, they're... buddy, hey. Uh, don't start dropping uh, brands on here unless we're getting paid by them. Oh yeah, that's right. No, we we yeah. do that all the time, dude. I don't know Good, point. Good point. Good uh, point. As like, I understand that design and, and visuals and aesthetics are subjective. There are people who probably do like that, but like to me, uh, it's just a bad design choice. I'm just like, it's just like one of those things where like, oh, I just learned how to do this in Photoshop. Let's put this in here. And I'm not gonna lie to you. Hey, I have quit been... making fun of Vancouver's gradient jersey, okay? I, I have. Oh. I'm not gonna lie to you. I have been guilty of doing that, where I learned a new trick in Photoshop. So the next <laughs> thing I, the first thing I do is the next project I do. I try to put it in the project. Speaking, Doesn't speak, always work. Speaking, I, speaking of yeah. you and Photoshop and and editing stuff, buddy. I know I've said this. And I know we talked about this. Your hype video was so, I mean, it was so much better than all the other ones that you've seen out there. Got fans. If you haven't seen it, go to Vegas Knightley's Twitter, go to Carlos Twitter, watch that hype video. You will get excited and want to run through a wall. That video was so fucking cool. Thanks exactly. dude. But it, it wasn't it's, Photoshop. it's pinned to our top. So you, you should be able to see it right away. Yeah, it was, it was so good. Like I, I'm, I'm so happy that, uh, you were able to do that, Carlo, and everybody was yeah. able to experience that. You know, I, I even shared that at, at my work and everybody loved it. Like people, people love that video. So that was such great. a close call too, because I've been meaning to make that video. I've been wanting to make that video for a long time, but uh, especially like I wanted to do it right for, right for the season. I was planning on doing it, but my old computer would have been such a pain in the butt to do it because it'll take forever to render and nerding like, out just, with Carlo time. Yes. Yeah. But I just got a new computer right before the season started. I'm like, yes, I can do this. And if, I- uh, if, if you wanted to make a hype video for our guests that are coming on, would it be like 10 seconds to show all the goals that Arizona scores or is that? <laughs> no? no. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll, no, we'll it's, just all, it's just all Phil Kessel with the, the yeah. American national anthem singing in the background. That's- and, hot, and hot dogs. And hot dogs, well, yeah. Well, the Oscar, the Oscar Mayer Wiener uh, theme song would be playing in the background. So, Carlo, you should be note, proud of yourself, though. Thank you. Yeah, it was great. Uh, it was fantastic. Yeah, it was great. On that note, let's take a uh, quick commercial break, and we'll be back with uh, Corey and Richie. So you like hockey? Congratulations. You're amongst the smartest sports fans in the world. Want to fight about it? 
Join me, the Hockey Troll, and That Snack Polly Cupcakes every Monday and Thursday on the official Caps Chirp Podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL, your Washington Capitals. Not only do we bring you the best Washington Capitals coverage, but we've got the hottest takes and the tastiest content. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts and at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Chirp us on all social media platforms at Caps Chirp. See you beauties and vendors there. All right, so we're back from our commercial. So uh, let's go ahead and we'll welcome Corey and Richie from Sporty with Corey and Richie uh, <laughs> for the, uh, <laughs> oh man, it was really hard to say that. Um, welcome so, to our douche canoes, guys. Yeah, welcome uh, to the make sure canoes. Make sure you help rowing because this is hard to steer. Hey, I've always said that you guys can get out of the douche canoe whenever you want to get out of the douche canoe. It's up to you. You guys are the ones that are choosing to stay in the douche it's, canoe. We all, we all have the really same fun. side. Like, we're paddling on the same side, so we're just going in that circle. It's fine. Yeah, it's it's fun, man. We, we're enjoying this this canoe. It's I nice mean, we've, we've gotten to a good place, though, because at least you guys understand now that you're in the douche canoe, that you're not <laughs> a douche canoe, yeah. although... I, there may be something called a douche canoe in the world. I don't know. And so I don't judge anything. But at the same time, what we were saying is that we induct people into the douche canoe. You guys were never supposed to be captaining the ship, though. You're just temporarily there. It's like a timeout no, in elementary it's, school. It's our douche canoe and no one else is allowed in it now. <laughs> yeah, we're claiming it now. <laughs> we had tickets to it, but we're taking it home. Actually, the leader of the douche canoe, because the douche canoe came from my uh the daily radio show i was on for many years the freaks with kenny and crash and we had a recurring segment called um the douche canoe and so the current captain of the douche canoe is alex rodriguez um we've put many people into the douche canoe over the years i think most recently we put daniel snyder the owner of the washington football team into the douche canoe um, so you guys are nowhere near that level. And at this point, I, I think we can officially take them out for now. Corey. Unless, unless, unless the Golden Knights beat the Coyotes all four games. Oh, this well, week. well, then, then we're, then we're right here to stay. We're then here to right stay. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. We'll have to come up with a different canoe for them. We'll maybe we'll put it out on Twitter. What kind of canoe do they the deserve? Golden canoe. And see what what their own the Twitter following canoe, right? thinks of them. We will get to see what they truly think of them. And, and for those people listening who has no idea what we're talking about, is that when we put... No, they already tuned out. The people that are listening have already tuned out. We said douche canoe. <laughs> way too many times. 800 times. Yeah, I, I was Sorry say, to Dave's mom. Where she's going to be listening. No, AJ, she won't. When, when you edit this, you might want to edit this all out because right now we've lost everybody. But... Anyways, we we put the Arizona Coyotes unintentionally, all four of us for some reasons, in last place in our predictions. That was not so intentional. That was not intentional. We just, it just happens. We have our list, and everybody's like, "Oh, we have I Arizona. intentionally think that they're going to be terrible this year." Yeah. Like, Carlo, okay, so, don't don't. Even, why are you trying to sugarcoat it now? It's like you're trying to avoid like conflict confrontation. Don't even try that. You okay, can't. fine. All right, they were last place. They suck. I'm kidding, guys. You're just, you're just feeding the fire here, dude. Yeah, yeah. You're making everything worse. So uh, speaking of making everything worse, Carlo wants to know what kind of hot dogs y'all are fe- feeding Phil Kessel this season. Um, I don't know. They're, it's laced with something. I, I mean, 
because the man has been coming out much stronger this season than we saw him last. I mean, he was injured for a good portion of last season, so that could be uh, a large part of it. But um, I don't know if we're what we're lacing it with, but um, we just need to keep shoving hot dogs down that man's throat if that's what it takes to get that type of production out of him. See, I think I think what's happening is that they've stopped feeding him hot dogs because because last year he admitted this um, in the first couple of games. Like he was like, my body felt bad. I didn't feel good. I was I I was hurt for some of this season. I just didn't play good. So I think he was like at his age of what I think he's what thirty three now. I think he was finally like, I need to stop eating hot dogs and focus on becoming a better hockey player and getting in better shape. And then it's showing up on the ice this year because he looks like the Phil Kessel from the Pittsburgh Penguins. All you have to do is just go and watch his goal against the San Jose Sharks on Saturday. And he kind of broke through the middle of the ice, kind of lost the puck a little bit, regained it, and scored a beautiful backhand past uh, Martin Jones, and that was the best, fanciest goal I've seen Phil Kessel score as a Coyote. So I think that's what's going on is Phil Kessel is like, maybe he's gone keto or something on us without telling us. <laughs> I, I was watching that game too, and I mean, he was doing some great back checking too. Yeah, he's engaged this year. He, he just – Corey and I talked about this on our show this week too, which is he just looks like a different player. He looks more engaged. He's getting into places that he wasn't getting – in the past, like when he scored that goal with less than three seconds to go in the season opener to tie the game up and send it to overtime, like I was like, holy smokes, Phil Kessel just scored a goal in the crease. This, this isn't the same Phil Kessel. And, uh, and, and you're right, yeah, if, he, if he, he doesn't even have to play that much defense, but even if you get a little bit out of him, it's like, all right, cool, I can dig this Phil Kessel. Let's do this for 56 games this year. Yeah, I mean, if he had to shit the bed in order to basically become the player he is this year because of the fact that he put in so much effort during the offseason because of the fact that he played so terribly last season, if that's what it took, I guess I'll take it if um, it really translates a season. Cool, cool. Yeah, he definitely looks uh, pretty motivated this year so far. And, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's fun to watch, except for against us. But, you know, it's still fun to watch. So... Uh, one question I wanted to ask you guys is, how did you guys get into hockey? Uh, Richie, not, this is not an insult of any sorts, but I feel like your story is shorter, so you want to go first? Sure. So I, I grew up, uh, I was born and raised here in Arizona. Me and Corey both have that in common. And uh, the Cowboys didn't come here until I was, what, five years old? So... I was, I grew up a big time baseball fan for the most part. So even before the Diamondbacks came here, I'm, there's pictures of me rolling around as like a three and four year old in Los Angeles Dodgers uh, t-shirts and stuff like that. Cause my grandfather uh, grew up a big baseball fan. He's from, uh, grew up in, in the Brooklyn area. And so he was a big Dodgers fan and uh, he gave me a bunch of Dodgers stuff to wear. So I grew up a big baseball fan. That was my favorite sport growing up. And then I didn't go to my first Coyotes game until I was probably, gosh, like uh, seven, 16 or 17 years old. It was against the Washington Capitals. And the Coyotes won that game two to nothing. Ilya Brzgalov was the starting goaltender. Wayne Gretzky was still the head coach. And then 
from then on, I was like, oh man, this is fun. And that's what kind of kickstarted everything for me. And then it just so happens that uh, at the school Corey and I went to um, ASU at the Cronkite school, they did a lot of hockey based broadcasting. So I was able to do a lot of, uh, I did some play-by-play color uh, intermission work for ASU's ACHA team and and I just fell in love with the sport from there. And I kind of decided, I was like, all right, cool. This is a cool niche to have here in Arizona is to kind of be the hockey guy. And that's kind of what propelled me to, to where I am now. And uh, I still love the sport to this day. And so I was about, gosh, over a decade now since I went to my first game. Um, for me, um, I went to mine. I don't even remember how old I was. I was pretty young. My mom had tickets because um, the team came here when I was two so uh, it's been they've been here for basically my whole life and so um I went when I was really young actually on a game that was on Thanksgiving for whatever reason so we left Thanksgiving dinner and went to um a game in their um old arena it was America West Arena so we went there and that was my first game my first experience with hockey and um my best friend that I grew up with who had known since like third grade, he played hockey and was a big, his family was from Boston. So I was initially a Bruins fan um, before kind of anything else. Like I knew the Coyotes and I, and I watched them and stuff, but I wasn't like totally immersed in it the way um, I kind of was with the Bruins because of him. Um, I grew up watching him and being around it like throughout that. And then once I got into high school, um, it became more of a like a, a fandom, but also a social aspect because um, I, I don't even know how like the right way to say this, but like basically I, all of my friends kind of end up being like hockey players. I was also a, a girl around a bunch of hockey players. And so it was a bunch of those type of dynamics. I didn't even really hang out with a ton of um, people from my own high school. I kind of preferred it, um, the, the hockey scene here was kind of more underground. It's always been kind of that way. Um, and so everyone kind of knows everyone. It's like its own high school in itself. So I was around that for quite a while, ended up being how I met um, my boyfriend when he was playing uh, youth hockey in the same organization as my best friend. Um, and then I basically just was... So that's where I kind of got really deep immersed into hockey where I was, um, and that was like at 16 where I was like going really hard into like the actual, you know, trying to learn all the systems and all of that stuff. And so um, once I got into college, I kind of brought that with me. Um, he went for an extra year of youth hockey. So um so he did like community college and didn't follow me straight to ASU right away. So um, I was covering ASU's team until he got there. And then I wasn't allowed to cover them because of, um, because of the fact that he was on the team. So then um, I mostly just came to hang out with Richie upstairs. And that's how Richie and I just basically became fast friends that way. And we would just sit upstairs and talk about college hockey all day long. And um and so we went from that to basically deciding one night when we were all drunk with our friends that we should make a show that's called Sporty with Corey and Richie because it rhymed with my name. So that's exactly how we came from there to here. 
<laughs> oh, that that's pretty awesome, you guys. I, I I've listened to you guys, you know, quite a few times too, and you guys put on a good show. So, thank you. We appreciate that. We we like you. I um as much as you guys were shitting on us in like your two most previous ex- episodes, they were both really solid episodes. Outside of you know um Eric multiple times saying basically fuck us for putting you guys in the douche canoe but outside of that it was a very solid episode <laughs> uh, it, it's one thing like I, I told these guys sometimes it was like guys we're, we're beating a dead horse here so yeah, yeah. It, we we're, we're full of punts especially Carlo I I do every once in a while Andrew once in a while Eric gives us shit for giving us puns but you know well and you guys uh Richie has to be around a bunch of my friends and my boyfriend's friends who are all very much in in that that same type of vein of they they love to give each other shit and I grew up around hockey players so I'm very much on that side of I will chirp the hell out of you if you say something to me I will annihilate you on the way back so if I ever go too far or I ever give you guys too much shit let me know because uh uh it's all in you know it's all good-hearted there's yeah, no this, we, we, yeah, we got we got that. Yeah, tone, we, we so. can handle. I mean, I teach middle schoolers, so I'm they're from, the worst. I, I'm, I'm a middle schooler at heart, so yeah, and, and I'm from New England, so if I'm not dishing it out, then I'm I'm graciously accepting the amount of trolling that that I deserve. So, uh, so so on on the note of the the yotes, uh, what do you think their strengths and weaknesses are for for the the season that just started? Um, I I know that. Uh, We'll, we'll talk about your budding anger with the Sharks that now is probably rivaling ours in a minute here. But but just overall, uh, what what's your thoughts on on where they're they're strong and, and weak? So it's uh, I was I think Corey and I were both surprised with how little the team changed from last year to this year. I think both of us going into the offseason thought with a lot of expiring contracts, a new GM. A, a GM who wants to really change the culture and of the team that there was going to be a lot more change, but there wasn't for the most part, they turned, I'd say out of their 23 regulars, they returned, gosh, uh, 18 or 19 of them. Right. And that starts with all six of your blue liners returning. And of course, Darcy Camper and Auntie Ranta. So the, the, kind of um I guess central part of the team is still intact which is your defense and your goaltending and that's been their identity for the last you know under Rick Tockett that's been their identity that's what got them to the playoffs last year that's what helped them beat up on Nashville in that qualifying round series and that's still their identity obviously the biggest question mark for this team is and Corey have talked Corey and I have talked about this ad nauseum on our show for goodness sake is is the scoring and through the first two games, they've come through with with scoring. They've scored eight goals in two games. They're getting scoring up and down the lineup. They're getting it from their big time players with Clayton Keller and Phil Kessel. And then they were getting you know help from their blue line too, which is also important. Oliver Ekman Larson had three points in that Saturday game. Jacob Chikrin is finally learning how to be more, a more dominant player in the oh, offensive geez. zone. I couldn't hear what you said. Oh, my Siri just went off for some reason. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, it's better than your fire alarm, though. 100% exactly which thankfully isn't going off right now so that's the biggest question mark for this team is is their scoring and Corey and I spent uh, you know, a good 15-20 minutes on our episode on Monday talking about through these first two games is it sustainable because that's been the biggest 
question mark for guys like Clayton Keller and Oliver Larson and a lot of their lineup is sure they can they've proven they can score but they only do it in seven or eight game bunches and they can't do it across a, a 50 plus game season so I, I I think that is going to be the biggest question mark for the rest of the season in terms of their weaknesses is they just got to score more. If they can get to that three goal per game mark this season, I think they're a lock for that four seed in the, in the Western division this year. Um, easy peasy. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I got a, I got a follow-up question on this though, is that what are your guys' re, uh, realistic expectations for the team this season? Didn't they just say that <laughs> with being fourth? Yeah. I mean, like, is that, is that what, what it, uh, it is like, is that your highest expectation? Or is that like your your? I'm just like yeah. You know, your, or your is that, goal. That's your like your your because I, I I'm guessing of course you want to be uh that fourth uh, place, but is that like you, do you expect them to be make it there or? They're, yeah, they're fourth. They're the fourth or fifth best team in the West right now, mostly because they're so reliant on their goaltending. And I, I I think Corey would agree with me on that. If they play above and beyond expectations and overperform then maybe they can surprise and upset somebody in the playoffs, but I don't expect them to go into the playoffs right now and beat a Vegas or Colorado. That's just not going to happen. In my opinion, over the course of a, of a seven game series, that's going to be so tough to do. Okay. So, so kind of on the, on those, on a little bit uh, micro level going into the four game series is coming up against Vegas, given the fact that uh, that's what we're talking about here on a Vegas uh, episode. What is a successful four game for for Arizona? Right? Are you guys hoping to split? Are you guys thinking you guys can go two one and one, or is one two and one, or, or what's what's success and what's for you guys right now? What what do you think a level of success is over the next four games against Vegas? We're we're kind of hoping that they're going to split. Honestly, um, I mean it's going to be the first real test of this team. It's not saying that the sharks are absolutely horrible, but they're, they're still not at the same caliber that um, Vegas is. Let's all be honest about that. We know that's um, the obvious truth there, but so it's going to be interesting to see how the, the problem with the coyotes is their consistency. They always have an issue with staying consistent from team to team and um, the different levels of teams that they play. So when you go up in a situation where you are playing a team that's a caliber of the Sharks compared to the, a team that's the caliber of, the, of Vegas, you have to kind of see how they will react to it. Because um, last season they went into it, every single time they would play a good team, they would show up and they would play well and they would really be the team that we knew they could be. But then every single time they went up against a team that was bad they completely would shit the bed every time so it's going to be interesting especially in a short season to see how consistently they can work through um, stronger teams because they're going to need to make sure that they get at least half of some of these games uh, half, half of these like I don't know exactly what to call them um they, series, they, whatever you want to call they, them. yeah they remind me of like homestands and like baseball yeah the, the way they've scheduled this out but if they can get about like half of them you know with these um top teams in this division it's going to be big for them moving forward because it's going to come down to between them and minnesota and it depends on who can really just consistently be etching out these games 
And so it's definitely going to be big that they get at least half, I think, of the series. All right. Um, I was just going to follow up on that then for, for the first two games of the series. How big of a loss is uh, Ekman Larson? So if Ekman Larson was to go into the series playing how he's been playing, it's going to be, it's going to be a decent loss. I mean, it's always going to be a loss because of the fact that, you know, he's the captain. He's supposed to be the person kind of adding to the charge per se, but um, I, I think it's going to be rough. I think it's possible without him, but I, I do think it, it, he would have been a very valuable asset if he had been playing the way he did in his last game. I mean, I mean, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Richie. My bad. Yeah, no, yeah. Oh, I, first of all, the hit was super dirty, in my opinion. The original contact as they were chasing down the puck uh, down low there was fine, right? That was just a, a, a two guys battling for the puck. But when OEL starts to go down, Vander Kane, he's in control of his stick, right? So it's just like he has to be smarter than that to put his stick where it was. It should have been on the ice like you're usually taught to do which is you keep your stick on the ice pretty much at all times and the fact that it, it hit him in the in the neck area was super dangerous although the coyotes are calling it a, a lower body injury and he's they haven't really said in terms of it's going to be a long term or short term there's a report that it was going to be longer term from from craig morgan but uh i i i, it, I don't think it's going to happen and by the time people are listening to this i'm sure player safety has commented on it by now but I, I don't foresee a suspension even though I, I think he should get a suspension for that um, which uh, it was because it was an unfortunate check and it makes it even worse that he's hurt but yeah going quickly one last thing on OEL uh, Corey and I have made no bones about our I, I don't really like OEL as a player anymore that contract is ridiculous I wanted him to be traded in the offseason and I, he's vastly underperforming his contract so I don't think they're going to miss him as much as people think they, the Coyotes are, because likely you're going to see Kyle Capobianco come into the lineup who kind of plays a, a similar style to OEL in that he came up through his junior days as a more offensive style type defenseman, a puck moving type defenseman who hasn't really been able to crack the NHL lineup quite yet because the Coyotes have such a veteran blue line with your Demers and your Galagossis and your OELs and your Jalmersons. So I'm actually really excited to see Kyle Capobianco get some real time at the NHL level because I think he can be a nice, you know, bottom pairing, middle pairing defenseman in this league. So I don't think they're going to miss OEL quite as much as a lot of people think that the Coyotes are going to miss him. Um, but it does suck to lose your captain. I will say that. That OEL deal is, I know you just kind of touched on it a little bit, but that is a tough deal. I mean, you got a lot of years left at a lot of money. So uh, two things there. Uh, number one is, can we go ahead and say that that hit by Kane is morally uh, bankrupt? And uh, the next thing is... Jesus fucking Christ. I swear to God, God damn it, Carlo. I knew that was Andrew. Andrew. That was Andrew. I know. I know. That's what makes it the best part. Is it was fucking that was crazy. Andrew. And I'm, I'm proud, proud of you. By. And I am proud of you. And and number two is, uh, do, do you want to you want us to send Reeves after him? Because I'm sure that will be no problem next time we play the Sharks. <laughs> well, um, it's it's funny because I don't particularly agree with Richie on his take on it. We kind of discussed it on like our podcast too. I mean, I think 
part of the reason why everyone wants to shit on it, like, especially is because it's Kane and I don't blame them for it. And that's part of it is a lot of times it plays in, I feel like on which player does it because of the fact that it's a fast moving game. Like he was basically OEL had stopped to try and put a body on him and ended up just getting tossed. Yeah, he, and tried, to, he, he tried to shoulder check Kane back and Kane just put him into the into the board. Yeah, he just tossed him basically. And then he was finishing it with, with his check. But at that point, it was way too late to be like it's it's hard to say because as a as a player, you're moving through those motions and you're just used to finishing that. And so um I think it may have been a little bit of like a muscle memory, but it he needed to be more aware of, of what was going on. But it's a very fast paced game. So it's it's hard to say from a safety point of view, it needs to be addressed. But from an intent point of view, I don't think he in, he intended to, but um it always and no matter, even in the league, they always hold some bias on certain players. And I feel like he is kind of one of those players that you kind of have to hold some bias against. Yeah, yeah. He, he does when, have when a I, reputation. Yeah, I was going to say, when I watched it live, I didn't think it was a, a pen, I didn't even think it was a penalty until you saw the, the cross check to the back of the neck, right? Um, but I don't think it was a dirty hit. It was shoulder to shoulder. And I think, uh, Richie, to kind of touch on your point, they're, they're saying lower body. I think it's when his knee went into the boards, which didn't really have anything to do with the cross check or anything like that that is possibly injuring him. So, look, everybody hates Kane. I get it, Vegas. Everybody hates him. Everybody wants to make fun of the fact that he's going through bankruptcy and all this shit. I get all that. I don't think that was a bad hit. Like he's had a million times worse hits before. So everybody can hate him and we can hope that, that Reeves tries to fight him, but it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. I didn't think. There's worse hits out there, but I, I do kind of agree with Richie there, but you got to control your stick. But it, the, like Corey said, the fast pace of that game, sometimes you just don't have the control of everything. When people say that about Reeves, every time he makes a hit, like if, if you're not a Vegas fan or, or a former Blues or Pens or wherever he was at the time fan, everybody says exactly that same sort of stuff about oh, We know everything about Ryan Reeves, don't we, Corey? Right? Because he should have been suspended for that disgusting punch on Nick Schmaltz in the exhibition game, for fuck's sakes, that knocked Nick Schmaltz out with a concussion for the playoffs. But that's, that's all in the rearview mirror now, so... Why, why does your team keep getting beat up by everybody? <laughs> because they don't have an enforcer to, to step up. Uh, See? Well, and that's, that's that's what they added to the bottom six of this is, and that's what, one of the things when uh, you guys were talking about, what did they actually add to the team? They actually added a little bit of grit to this team that they didn't have before, but then there's still people like, and, and I don't like to bring this up too often because like, uh, I just feel like it's, it's kind of a bad look, but OEL was always kind of known as being a soft player um for quite a while he's kind of moved away from it now but he was always kind of known to be that way so you always have to wonder if in the league they try and throw these extra little hits on him anyways because he's always been known to be a little bit on the softer side it used to be where like something small would happen to him and he would just kind of crumble about it and it he toughened up about it as the seasons went on but you have to wonder if that reputation still lies gotcha um, so yeah, let's, let's move on here. So, uh, so you're moving to the central next season when Seattle starts off. Uh, I, I know we, we've talked about this a little bit off, off podcast, but what is, what are y'all's thoughts on that? Um, it, it's more or less difficult for, for your team. I'm, I'm going to assume more because you get the abs and the blues. Um, but yeah, just curious to see, are you, are you excited? Not looking forward to it? Uh, does it mess with your schedules because it's in a different time zone for most of the games, et cetera? 
I'm gonna let Corey take this one because this is like her her big rant she's been on for the last year. I feel like. <laughs> well, okay, so yeah, I mean, I we've hit an interesting point though because we've seen some really good Pacific prospects coming up, so it might be better for us than than I previously thought. Um, but yeah, no, I was kind of pissed in the fact that uh, the Coyotes were being moved to the Central next season because of the fact that it just it didn't make any sense to me that the you know basically you would have two expansion teams taking over in the pacific and then you would just throw a team that's been in the pacific through through their whole time and you're just going to dump them over into the central it just kind of seemed um kind of per the usual with everything with the coyotes because of the fact that they always just kind of toss the coyotes aside and everyone and i it's funny because like um when you guys went on um, the blues uh, on blue notes, they had said like, Oh, they, uh, I think they're always like a little bit sensitive about things because they're, they feel like they're the redheaded stepchild of the NHL. And we kind of are in the fact that like no one ever really wants to give us credit where credit is due and no one really ever wants to like give respect where respect lies. And I feel like the fact that, you know, this team has worked so hard to um, to really advance hockey in the state. And as someone who has grown up around it and has seen um, some of the really, really, really early parts of, of hockey in the state and knowing um, basically uh, because I, I heard even before me because of the fact that um, my boyfriend's brother is nine years older than him and played before him, like, it used to be you had to drive 45 minutes just to go to practice to play at one singular rink because there were so few rinks and and we are now up to what is it now Richie are we getting we were 10 I don't remember the, off the top of my head but I think it's something like 13 or 14 sheets of ice total but moving there. to the central is that going to change any of uh, it's uh, I don't think it's going to change any of that right like I well I just the team has worked so hard on, on being a, a contender and being able to help the community and the fact and the, by no matter what, when you have all four teams and then we've also got like a soccer team that's establishing itself here now and everything, everyone is vying for attention here in the state. I mean, you guys understand that as, as Vegas, as you guys are getting more and more teams and such, and there's so many things to do there that it's hard to try and keep attention so to keep a team in a division that they're going to be competitive in is going to be massive for getting hockey to grow more in the state. And so um, I think it's one of the things that's really unfair is this team has worked so hard by trying to grow its own fan base within the states and then keeping itself viable. I mean, that's one of the reasons why they're allowing fans in is because they are having money issues and they've always had money issues. So they're trying really hard to be a stable team in in this market and um moving them to the central just kind of seems like a giant fu so, so in a perfect world something you said to, to um to start your your answer there who makes more sense I just uh, take arizona fandom out of it take vegas fandom out of it i understand when you said two um expansion teams being in the same four years i get all that in a geographical sense right because unfortunately hockey is very geographical right it's very what team makes more sense to move out of the Pacific into the central, if it's not Arizona? 
from a geographical sense. So if you were to actually pull up, I think technically, let me see, where where is I understand you're, you're I understand you're never splitting Edmonton and Calgary. And and they're a little bit farther west technically than Phoenix is. So, so, and that's the thing, look, I'm not trying to, I don't want to be thought of as, as the guy that always talks shit on Arizona. Like, I don't want you guys to think that way of me by any stretch of the imagination. I try to call it like I see it. Unfortunately, when you look at Arizona, San Jose, LA, um, Anaheim, uh, Anaheim, yeah, Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Vegas. Seattle. Okay, sure, it's going to be Vegas or, or Arizona. Vegas makes more sense to keep in the Pacific than Arizona. And once again, I'm not trying to, to be this, this, this Arizona hater by any stretch of the imagination. I, I get all the points you made, but from a logistical standpoint, it makes the most sense to move Arizona. I mean, it would make sense if they were logistical that way. And the fact that they made everything very, how they have it right now, where they're making it. So where it's, you know, location wise, but I feel like you guys, to be honest with you, have a, would have much better time in that division and would, it would be a lot easier in the fact that you guys are such a great expansion team. The fact that coming right off the bat in an inaugural season, going as far as you guys did, it, it already, it has like an establishment that the coyotes have been literally spending decades to try and get themselves into and so that's why i feel like you guys probably would i get geographically wise we are a little bit further over um so i'll pose it a different way who's your who's your natural rival who's our natural rival i mean like if 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 anybody that that just pays a tiny bit of attention to hockey and somebody says Vegas, who's their rival, right? They're going to say the Kings or they're going to say the Sharks, right? That's who they're going to say. They're going to say Vancouver. If somebody says says Arizona, that's my question. And I'm, once again, I'm not trying to, just asking. No, this. no, if, before you guys ever existed, we had a very strong rivalry, rivalry with the Kings. It's true. Okay. Richie I'm and I just... have hated the Kings since for forever. And I still have vivid... I still have vivid memories of Dustin Brown pushing uh, Shane Doan's head into the ice, and I still get angry over that, and it's been years. So, yeah, no. Yeah, the reason why I asked that is because I think if the NHL looked at it and they said, okay, there's not that huge natural rival there, they can go build one with Dallas, Mm -hmm. or they can go build one with somebody else, they can go – that's why another step to it making sense. Uh, I I remember when they first moved to Arizona, when the Jets – the old jets moved down there in the mid nineties. They were still in the central division and they kept them in there with Dallas, with Detroit, with Chicago, St. Louis. And there were some good rivalries in, but they, they've been gone from that division for so long. You established all the new ones and I, I can see both sides of it. Yeah. I think the, the only issue I would have with like moving Vegas instead of, instead of Arizona is, is basically that, you know, Corey, I, I agree. You're, you basically you're you're saying you know you built up all this experience in in the Pacific Division, but at the same time, if if they moved Vegas and then all of a sudden the Central Division was just like random, like just bad, which they could trend to be, except for Colorado pretty soon. Like with with I don't think St. Louis is going to keep 
being good um, is basically what I'm saying there. But but yeah, I mean, I, I'm just looking at it from like geographically later. Once they did that, somebody would be like, okay, this doesn't make any sense anymore. Now the Pacific doesn't have Vegas, but they're farther west than teams that are in the Pacific. So yeah, I I, I don't know. I I don't think there's a the right answer to this one. I, I'm just thinking that since they were in the central division, when they first moved there, they're probably hoping that, you know, the, what was working then will work again, but that it's been so long though. The time zone thing is weird to me though. It it almost would make sense to keep Arizona and Vegas in the Pacific because everybody's similar time zones versus being two hours. Well, here's the thing, you know, you got two teams down there now just move to San Jose. Actually, um, Arizona doesn't do daily savings of the time zone change in the middle of the season. Yep. But I, I was going to be that. I personally am disappointed that they are splitting Vegas and Arizona because I felt like that was that would have been a really natural geographical rivalry, even though they hasn't really built uh, the, during this short time. Uh, but I am a little dis- bit disappointed in that because I thought that was the natural. I, I think the NHL wanted that rivalry too at the start, but. Vegas made the rivalry with San Jose and it just happened. So, well, and it was a good dynamic too, because it was like two desert teams. Like we were exactly. the like main desert team for so long that it was nice to just have another addition in there. Um, I think it started out as kind of that way. And then I think eventually um, Coyotes fans were more just happy that Vegas existed because of the fact that we weren't alone anymore, basically. I think and about it, it works. Like the, yeah. the desert hockey works. Is, and I think the biggest... Yeah. solution would have been that if they I, I know Seattle deserved a team and they wanted a team for a while but if they didn't have the team in Seattle maybe they put it on Houston that would have you know made oh, the man. process much easier if they had it in Houston they, they would have been in the central instead of moving Arizona that kind of thing you know maybe or, Kansas City or you know the, the team or the the Quebec City that fucking built an arena that's empty that that too. Let's not get into let's not yeah, get into the, the, the jokes about expansion and, and yeah. Arizona moving and all that stuff. I I want Arizona to, to be successful. Same I know here. that I we, we yeah. had this talk. Um, where is the new? I now I know you, Corey. You t- touched on it earlier with money problems and issues like that. Where is the rumored new stadium supposed to be going? Is it supposed to be going in Scottsdale or is it supposed to be going like Center Phoenix or is it what's what side of town is it supposed to be going in? So, At the moment, yeah, they, we don't really know. Like, we haven't – there hasn't been an update on an arena really since Alex Marillo took over as owner and they brought in Javier Gutierrez, who is a big-time, you know, uh, has a lot of experience in business and, and crafting deals with the Marillo group. So, we've heard nothing. And the latest I've heard is because we're in a this pandemic-type circumstances and the Marillo group who – owns a lot of hotels and casinos in the, in and around the Nevada and, and Las Vegas area. Like he's hurting financially. And I think you guys know this too. It's like, there's no chance in hell a publicly funded arena gets built really anywhere in the United States anymore. Like it needs to be mostly privately financed. So they're in a tough situation. Like there's been talk about a long-term lease with, with Glendale, but Corey and I have talked about it and it's just that relationship is gonzo. Um, so they're in a year-to-year lease right now at the at Gila River Arena. So right now it's like it's almost too quiet. But to answer your question, it will likely be in the Scottsdale-ish area on the east side of town um, where a lot of the spring training facilities are. If you guys have been out to Phoenix during spring training in that Scottsdale-Mesa area, there's 
that's where most of the spring training facilities are. It's where the ice den is, et cetera, et cetera. That's where Phoenix Rising's building a new stadium out in the Mesa area. So it would be on the east side of town, which is the more kind of affluent area of the Phoenix Metro Valley area. But yeah. uh, it's been yeah, it's been way Just too to quiet. To clarify, Richie, you're talking, you're saying, but you're saying in in the Scottsdale or in the Mesa area, right? Yeah, you're saying yeah, yeah. In, in between those two because when you're saying Ice Den and then you're saying Mesa, like they're on the complete opposite sides. One's well, yeah, really far north, one's really far south. Yeah, like the Ice Ice Den in Scottsdale. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's why I wanted to make sure you're clarify. You're talking about that one, so to like the Chandler or whichever Chandler or Gilbert Ice Den, whichever one's Ice Den now. Uh, I've spent quite a bit of time down there because a friend of mine works for Grand Canyon University. So I've been the I've been to Healy River Arena numerous times. I was actually at the game where Mike Smith scored and I've been to Diamondback games a few times too. So it's just, I would love to see that franchise just to succeed. Yeah, so I mean, what do you guys think would create long-term success? Yeah. And, and, and specifically on the long-term success, I, I wanted to, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Dave, but I wanted to elaborate on this a little because what you were saying, Corey, earlier about, Arizona creating a really strong hockey community has already, you know, is bearing fruit. Look at the elite players that have come from Arizona that are in the league today. I mean, look at Austin Matthews, regardless of what you, anybody here thinks about his personal life, he's pretty damn good at hockey. Um, you know, the Kachuk family, you know, kind of settled in in Arizona and have a lot of ties there these days. So do you like long-term wise, do you also see some of those players coming back as UFAs someday and, and, you know, being the face of the, the Yotes franchise too? Well, we have quite a few actually like um, old players that have decided that they're going to stay here and um, basically coach teams here. So like Doan coaches his team. Um, who else was I talking to on Doan's night? That coach, and I didn't realize that he coached another youth team here, but it was, um, I can't even remember who it was I was talking to. Um, but one of the players that came back for Doan's night were his number got retired and everything. Um, he was saying that he was just coming from practice. And so, and then uh, with um, ASU's NCAA team, you're getting a lot of um, old NHL players whose children are deciding to come play for that team. So you're also getting all those people as well. Um, the thing that bodes really well for Arizona is Scottsdale. And the fact that um, a lot of these rinks and stuff like that are all in Scottsdale. So a lot of them can go and hang out over there. I mean, where the Coyotes practice is at I stand in Scottsdale. So um, it's a really nice area for all of these guys to come back and just live and kind of retire and do their own thing. So it, there is a big development of that. And I think we'll keep seeing that um, going on. Cause even the ones that, um, you know, e even from a, just, a sense of um, not like PR wise throughout the NHL, like one of the people that they keep on trying to do a bunch of content for them is Paul Bissonnette and Paul Bissonnette lives in North, North Scottsdale over here. And he, uh, he's Canadian has a house in Canada, but he, um, he promotes Arizona all the time. And that was just because he, he played here and loved it here. And so um, I think you'll see more and more of that as time goes on, which is nice. Um, it's really nice. We talk about the fact that Austin Matthews all the time, um, he, you know, he was always known as being like a really good 
player here. He's, um, I think, like two years younger than me or so, two or three. Um, um, and there's even my boyfriend had played against him uh, quite a few times. And um, so he he was saying that how good he was like back when he was, you know, 14, 15. Um, and he's playing like 18s teams and just like crushing them. They're like, you know, what, what can we do against this kid? It, it's nice to be able to see that that's the, the type of players that you're going to start coming out of here because of the fact that no one really expected there to be um, hockey in Arizona because of the fact that it's, it's hot as hell here. You know, when you have 122 degree days, I mean, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever hit that high, but uh, I know you guys get some pretty hot weather too. So when you've got those really hot days, um, no one's ever really thinking about going out and playing ice hockey. So um, it's definitely not something that you've seen in a long, uh, long time. But I think really um, th that's going to be great for brand awareness down the road. But I think we'll always be that the team has to win. Every, this has always been a place where people come through, you know, they'll um, move from somewhere else or, um, you know, live here for a job and then go back home to wherever they're at or go to here for college or whatever. But it's very hard for people to, this is the first generation of, of people who are now having kids that grew up with these teams because a lot of them came in, in the mid nineties. So it's, you're finally getting people who were born and raised in fans here, but it doesn't mean that you don't have games that are filled still with half the arena is uh, Blackhawks fans or um, Red Wings fans, you name it, because of the fact that people have moved here from somewhere else. So the only way I think for this, to, for them to be really long-term successful is to continue the direction they're going really capitalize on those fans who are, you know, um, actually now born and raised here. And um, on top of that, win, because you've got four teams plus a bunch of other random things that are going on here all the time. Um, so it's going to be hard to compete for that attention. And I think that'll always be a problem that team will have. Awesome. Okay. Well, Sorry, that was the most long-winded answer ever. I apologize. Yeah, but it but it works. Yeah, no, it works. And so uh, I think we're we're running out of time here for uh, this episode today. So we wanted to uh, thank you, uh, Corey and Richie, for hopping on. And uh, feel free to uh, go ahead and share your your Twitter handles and, and plug your show a bit, and then we'll uh, wrap it up for the day. Corey, under, yeah, it's at Corey underscore Richie Show on Twitter. At Corey, Corey is spelled C O R I. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. Sorry. There's a, there's a lot of spelling. Richie is is with I E, <laughs> so there's there's lots of uh, vowel spellings there. That's true. That's true. Not with a Y or a T C H I E, which I've gotten before. Um, but yeah, uh, Instagram is Corey at Corey Richie Show. Uh, my personal Twitter is at R Flores ninety one. Um, and one last one last thing uh, for me, uh, Darcy Kemper gonna shut out the Golden Knights four straight games. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna wrap up the Vesna Trophy five games into the season. Um, Alex Petrangelo ain't gonna do shit. He's Phil Kessel gonna score seven goals in four games. He's gonna take the lead for the Hart Trophy. It's gonna be all Coyotes, baby. Oh yeah. <laughs> this is the type of rivalry we've, we've needed for a long time. A delusional one? 
<laughs> no, no, you didn't. Hey, say y'all, that. y'all had a hard time scoring against John Gibson, right? And uh, and yeah, who, he's, who's he's, who's much better than Darcy Kemper? I'm sorry, I know oh, you guys bullshit. love Kemper. No, oh, bullshit. No bullshit. Bullshit. Oh, oh, you're gonna get me okay. fired up. Oh, Never. stop the show, Andrew. You, you stop the show. Stop the show. You think that that John Gibson is not better than Darcy Kemper? You legitimately think that? Darcy Kemper is a better goaltender. Yes. Hey, it's it's good to be a fan of uh, of a team, I guess. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll be down, kids. We'll be bantering with uh, Corey and Richie on social media for the next uh, week or so, and and let the trash talking commence. And this is going to be really fun. Either way, uh, it's always good to to chat with both of you, and uh, and we appreciate you coming on. And uh, I look forward to uh, the level of trolling that some or all of us are going to end up getting up to in the next week. All, I'm all of us. I'm glad I could uh, get a truce on the douche canoe thing so we could start a bunch more um, arguments to ensue later. Yep, Thanks that course. Course. uphill, bring it on. Thanks for coming on, guys. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for coming on. Yeah, so that's it for us today. We're going to skip over around the NHL. We uh, took up a, a good amount of time, so thanks everybody for listening. We'll be back next week to uh, hopefully be able to uh, back up our trash talk. So thanks again, everybody. Till next week. Riding the douche canoe.